Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Windy. He's got to go, Windy. Go get out of our club. Got to go. Got to get out. Got to go. Got to get out. Welcome, listeners, to the Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who is readying himself for a cosy, warm embrace with Bardi, who's <laughs> coming down from his cold, lonely hill. It's Nathan A. Clark. Mm. Hello, Nathan. Hello, Windy. Bardi. Hello. The hill. Talk to us. Well, I've, I, I came down the hill, and then as I got down here, I saw your smiling face, and I was just like, maybe I should get back up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should get back up, because at least up there, I, yeah, I don't have to deal with deal with you being smug and content. But um, yeah, I mean, there's pretty much where do you go from here? We'll get into the game, and we'll talk about comments and everything else that have been said from from our captain and everything else, but there's... There, there arrives a point to every single manager's career where you you have to question the the point of continuing with this. We we hit that with Pochettino. There was the Bayern, Brighton, and then the, the home game with Sheffield United, and you're like, I don't see, I don't see how this turns around. And now looking at this result last night, you there's there's, there's issues with the team, of course, but I don't see, I don't see how you return from this. There's only one hope that we have, and that's the fact that we will never have to see Dyer, Davies, Sissoko, Winks, perhaps even Delhi start a league game again for the rest of the season, and then we can just crack on with uh, our first eleven, which haven't been too bad. But um, yeah, I do think this is this is the, the this might just be the the result that that kills Mourinho and leaves us with a, a question to answer about where do we see our football club and where do we go from here. Mm-hmm. Um, let let me assure you that I'm I'm really I'm really not feeling smug. I absolutely wanted no, no. to be wrong on this. I genuinely wanted to be wrong on this. It's it's painful to me because I'm I'm going to be completely honest. This has been my worst season ever as a Spurs fan. Genuinely, my worst season ever as a Spurs fan. And I'm worse sure than that Sherwood. It's worse than Sherwood for sure. It's worse than Sherwood because Sherwood. You knew that it was short term. You knew that it was short term. It was like a punt and you just like, whatever happens, happens. This is one of the most expensive football managers in the world. Uh, and you kind of, you're like, you're, you're told, okay, well, this guarantees success at the at the cost of what it might look like to get there. 
Um, my problem with it has always been not the style of football, which although that is part of the problem, but the fact that I've just not thought that the type of football we're playing is sustainable in any kind of winning capacity. Um, but I, I, I just find him completely intolerable as a human being as well. So it's, I've not liked the season one bit. I've really hated it. And I'm, I am glad that it's moving towards being over. I'm like because of the future of because I think Spurs are better off without Jose Mourinho. But I don't like this. Is awful. I mean, yesterday was embarrassing i was getting text messages from from mates taking the piss it's not i don't like that i don't want that i, I hate it mm-hmm. um nathan how I mean, let's let's not talk about the lineup and the tactics let's just talk sure. about how you felt emotionally after that game with zagreb mm. yesterday uh so i watched this game with my liverpool supporting girlfriend um and she came to me in the hallway after the game and she said are you okay and i said yeah no i'm, I'm like i'm not sad um, I'm more sort of relieved. And she says, well, you seem sad. You look sad. And I sort of thought on it for a minute and I sort of realised that, like, <laughs> I'm sad that I'm not sad. I'm mm. sad that I've watched my team get out of the Europa League, get knocked out of the Europa League. Um, and the sensation from that is one of with one of relief and, and sort of hope that this might be the end. And that's just, it's sad that it's come to that. It's sad that that's the place I'm in with, with my club, who I, I adore. I fucking love Tottenham. And they have put this man in place who I really dislike, as you pointed out, on on a personal level, um, but also have considerable doubts over in terms of his ability, not historically, but but now. Yeah, and I think that's a really important distinction. No one is denying that Jose Mourinho has been a supremely successful football manager, one of the greats, one of the all-time greats. Of course. That I mean, that's absolutely undeniable, and we'd be stupid to try and argue with that. Um, what we're talking about is what he's doing now, what he's able to achieve now. Um, Bardi, how how were you feeling after the game last night? I saw you tweeted a couple of things that implied that you weren't best pleased. No, of course not, because you know I I've been on board with the, with the with the Jose project from the start because okay we we've attempted a few things in our time at Spurs and I I thought that if you're going to start winning trophies then then it's like a it's like a banker no this is this is why you this is why you point Jose yeah and I was I was willing to I was willing to give up the the high press the everything else for for a series of results that would ultimately lead us to collecting a bit of silver silverware which I think some of these players deserve not all of them some of them I hope I never see again but a majority of them I think they deserve something and it would be criminal perhaps for our greatest striker in our history to walk away from Spurs in the next couple of seasons and for us not to have that image of him picking something up so I thought this was this was the way it was going to be that we would a means to an end a means to an end and I'm on board with that I've never been anti-Mourinho I've admired what he's done at Real Madrid I've admired what he did at Porto inside that kind of stuff so I've I've never had any anti-Mourinho sentiment in my life so it's like you just reached a point where the squeeze is there's nothing coming out he's squeezing and squeezing and there's no juice coming out man we're thirsty for something and this there's nothing here and this is why this is why it's the end now because whilst we were kind of okay for a top four push maybe it was going to happen whilst we were moving towards the latter stages of the Europa League which is a competition now which is just totally opened up for Man United and Arsenal I would. I was okay with this because I would. I would have set a Europa League for me would have been brilliant, fantastic, and it would just relieve something from the stress in my head of not witnessing Tottenham win anything. And I, I was, yeah. And then that's not going to happen. And everything is on a League Cup. And is a League Cup worth this? When we talk about winning something versus not winning something, is a League Cup worth 
all of this and the misery that I have to put up and the, the, the continued arguments between friendship groups and everything else. No, man, it's not worth it. Let's just, let's just, this is it. That's it. It's done. Unless we win all our, pro, unless we win every single Premier League game from here on to the end of the season, which is not going to happen. But yeah, that's the only thing that gets me back up my hill. You said it; it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so, so what we're going to do is is something a little different because we figured that, that there'll be lots of sort of discussion podcasts, emotive podcasts around Jose Mourinho, uh, uh, and actually we've got some great source material here to do something slightly different. So, I don't know if you've seen Hugo Lloris's interview post match. Uh, one of our ex-subs, SB Walker 62 said, Not a question, but a need. I want you guys to break down your reactions to Hugo's interview. Please, please, please. Whether it be a small 20-minute pod or a full pod. So this is what you're going to get, SB Walker 62 You're going to get a breakdown now from us of, of this very emotive, um, raw interview from Hugo Lloris. So it was um, Paul Dempsey, I think, asking the questions. First question. How are you and how is the team feeling after that? Uh, Hugo says, good, good question. question. Um, I think we are all more than disappointed. It's just uh, a disgrace. Uh, I just hope everyone in the changing room feel responsible of the situation because um, it's a disgrace. Um, now, what can I say more about it? Uh, talking about the game of Sunday. Uh, I think it's not the right moment. Uh, the taste of the defeat tonight is just uh, more than painful and um, and we are all responsible of that. So it sort of starts off as a stock response from um, a footballer around players taking responsibility. But I'd say a little stronger than usual because he uses the word disgrace twice. And the way he says it as well um, shows his real depth depth of feeling behind that. Um, Nathan, what are your initial reactions to that? Yeah, well, I mean, Hugo is is a generally, especially in media facing situations, a reserved person, mm-hmm. um, a captain who who you know leads quietly. Um, we have seen elements of this from him in the past, um, and also at Nice, where he screamed in the changing room. We've seen him. We've seen him get aggressive with Son before. Um, it's not like this is this is this is completely unheard of from him, but but. He's he's you know he's that quiet friend who only kicks off when things get extreme, isn't he? Um, and and this is that this is him sort of feeling that he is at his wit's end. Mm. Yeah, that kind of end of the tether feeling. Buddy, yeah. is that what you took from this as well? Yeah, I think so. I, I think the word disgrace um, sums up well. There's there's certain results that kind of stick in your mind um, of that humiliating results. Perhaps the five yeah. one at Newcastle. Um, it. I think it was December 1963 was the last time we threw away a two-goal lead in Europe. And that was when Manchester United knocked us out of the Cup Winners' Cup. And so it's been a long time since that's happened. And this this, wrote, this result goes down alongside many other bad results as a one of our most, what, uh, as a horrendous night support in Tottenham. Mm. So Dempsey goes on, what hurts more, Sunday's defeat or tonight? And Lloris says, it's just an accumulation. We are a club that's full of ambition, but the team at the moment, I just think, is a reflection of what's going on in our club. 
Mm. We have a lack of basics, lack of fundamentals. Overall, our performance is in relation to that. I think mentally, we should be stronger. We should be more competitive. Today, I didn't feel that on the field, unfortunately, when you are not ready at this level, you pay straight away. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. There is quality everywhere in in the Europa. And if you don't respect the opponent, it's kind of permission for them to score. And that's what happened today. Full credit belongs to the opponent as well, because they played the game full of belief, but the blame is on us or the team or the club. We are guilty. So the, the part of that that, um, that really stood out to me was the very pointed remark that he says, the team is a reflection of um, of what's going on in our club. So it's clear that this is deeper than just the performances on the pitch. There's, there's, there's genuine feeling from our club captain, no less, that there's something not right. Um, is he talking about the, the players, unsettled players, the chairman, the manager? Um, what do you think, Bardi? Um, I think it's a reflection of everything happening at the club. The the, the lack of uh, the lack of planning, the lack of foresight, the um, perhaps signing Gareth Bale when perhaps a centre back was our priority or an alternate right back. Um, uh, the other thing that I, I thought deserves kind of focusing on is the mentality. One of the things that Jose spoke about heavily in All or Nothing was changing the mentality of the club, and that hasn't happened. Mm. If, it could have got worse, or it's exactly the same. But he's be, he's been able he's been unable to affect the mentality of our players. They still can crumble, and they still quite often do crumble. Well, the direct implication here is that they just weren't phys- psychologically prepared for the for the match. Um, Nathan, what do you think he meant by the the fundamentals? Well, I'm, I'm, I found this sort of section of the interview, and obviously we we know where it goes now. But at the time, um, I was watching this and listening to this, and and sort of finding it very cryptic, and and trying to say, uh, trying to like, <laughs> I'm wanting to egg you go on, and I'm saying, go on, tell us, tell us, tell us the thing that you're holding back from, re- reveal what's going on here. Um, yeah, a lack of basics, a lack of fundamentals. It, that's you know, that's that's something that you can ascribe anywhere. Um, and I'm also not completely won round by the idea. Um, I'm not sure if it's a lack of basics or a lack of fundamentals is, is necessarily what I'm seeing on the pitch. Or perhaps he means basics and fundamentals, not necessarily in an on-pitch way. He mm. means in sort of a professional capacity. So there's a million ways to interpret this section, to be honest. And it leaves me sort of just with more questions. Yeah, I certainly took it to mean in terms of um, teamwork and like you say, professionalism, um, everyone pulling together. That's that's my interpretation. But he was he was uh, he was pressed on this. So we go on. Uh, you mentioned the fundamental fundamental nature of events inside the club. Please explain that to us. No, I don't have to go deeper. I mean, it's not possible. The way we play is just not enough. Not enough. One thing is to come in front of the camera and say I'm a, I'm ambitious. The other is to show every day in training sessions. It's to show every time on the pitch. You cannot let it down if you play or don't play. To behave as a team is the most difficult thing in football. Whatever is the decision of the manager, you have to follow the way of the team. If you follow the team only when you're in the starting eleven, that causes a big problem for the team because you're going to pay in the one moment and you're going to pay in your season. Today, I think, is the consequence of that. We had a great moment in the past because we could trust the togetherness that was in the team. Today, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Wow. I mean, this is the bit that's quite hard-hitting, isn't it? That the, the team aren't pulling together. They're, they're not united. We, the, he's basically making a direct comparison between the togetherness they had in the previous regime and, and where they are now. And yes, that is completely visible to us as outsiders. We can see that this is not a, a fu- fully functioning team unit for whatever reason. Um, and there's another implication, Bardi, that some of his teammates are, are not showing the desire every day in training. I mean, this is 
it seems like some of our players just revert to this when things aren't going well, when things aren't happening. These the the majority of these players are the same players that did this under Pochettino as well. So I think there is that to reflect upon as well. That there hasn't been enough of a of a shift between Pochettino's squad then to Mourinho's squad to stop this kind of thing happening. Um, what made Pochettino so successful um, at Spurs was was being able to get rid of that crowd, just just kind of gut it and then start again. For some reason, we haven't been able to do that, and I think the the faults of this team is allowing allowing a core of players we don't know who they are I'm not going to start guessing but allowing these core players to cause issues and of course this the, the manager will pay ultimately for this and he deserves to pay for this but there is something there's something dark and not um, something dark and mysterious going on with these players here that they seem to be they seem to be all in and now they're just for whatever reason they've decided that's it they're not going to do it anymore Nathan what's your interpretation of that yeah um this is um First off, people who like are extremely anti-Mourinho interpret this interview as a whole to sort of be a criticism of Mourinho, and I, and I don't think that's that's as, you know as tempting as it is for me to interpret that way. I, that's definitely not what Hugo's saying here, or I don't think that's what Hugo's saying here. He's saying, I think quite quite clearly here, the issue is in the second stream of the of the team. The mm-hmm. issue is the first eleven players are fine, the first eleven players are strong and they give the rule. But those who aren't in their in the team um don't apply themselves when they have the chance. Don't make themselves worthwhile substitutes. Don't try in Europa League games. Um and yeah, as as Bardi has 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 given us here already, the the main interpretation of this is that there is this this huge rotten core and an underlying issue in in the squad that dates back to before Mourinho was present at the end under Pochettino and I'm personally less convinced by that because because you look at the players who played this game and half of them have been in and out of the first 11 throughout this season right Winks and Sissoko, Dyer, Delhi obviously not Davis has played amongst the most minutes of, of all of our players. Davies was the player who we missed more than Harry Kane during the first season because he allowed us to play with our uneven back four. He was this incredible missing cog who was going to come back and save our season. And obviously that wasn't the case because he's just a sort of a decent left back who's a bit slow, right? Dyer, who Mourinho's picked consistently for most of the yeah. season. Mm, yeah, not recent, not in recent times. I, and I thought... Not in recent times. But then, w- what does that mean? Does that mean that like Alderweireld was not trying and not caring, and then suddenly he did, and then the, the minute that Dyer is out the team, he's not. To me, I'm not. I can't. I can't match it to players and their individual stories and their individual performances. Not just in this specific game. Okay, in this game, sure, but across the season, Delhi, who who's been spoken of very well by by Mourinho, by Lloris for his his turnaround since January. Okay, but also before that, and then not, and then gaps. Obviously, we don't have the full picture, but there's just not a consistent story of story is not the right word there's not been a consistent impression of like these are the players who are who are trying and caring and these are the players who are not and this includes players who like you know Bergvine Roden players who come in during Mourinho's reign even Doherty players who come in during Mourinho's reign at times Zoria and and you're either you know, who, who've had their time to be sort of the first choice player and had their time to be the whipping boy and so, it, to me, it's not an issue of individual players. There's clearly a pattern here where essentially you're Harry Kane or you're a prick, and that that's mm. this is why. Even though he, even though Larice 
isn't ascribing blame to Mourinho here because he feels the issue is the individual players. I can only interpret this and say there's this style at the club where if you're not favoured, you you you're lost. You're lost at sea and you lose everyone else at the same time. And I think that there are man management issues there, but I also think that there are big tactical issues, which we've spoken at before, which is that, and and I also sort of went a bit in depth on the recent video with Harry, wherein because so much of the way we play is due to individuals, individual relationships, time on the pitch together, establishing relationships, establishing your individual patterns, when you're not someone who's played at the weekend, at the weekend before that, at the weekend before that, with Kane, with Son, with Ndombele, you don't have those patterns. And so I don't, I watched that game and I don't think that Sissoko is a coward. I don't think that Winks is scared. I don't think that uh, Dyer is lacking the fundamentals. I see a player who doesn't know where his teammate is going to be. You know, I just, uh, to me, there the issues are in the patterns of our play and the, the structure of our club. And yeah, probably also man management too. And the way that rotation's been handled, we, we've, sure. we've oft criticised the sort of first 11, second 11 thing. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I mean, I also think, to, to touch on the man management point, I think this this part of the interview and this part of the argument is is where most Spurs fans are differing in opinion at the moment. Is this uh, the players giving up on Mourinho in the same way that he gave up on, on Pochettino, in which case we need to just get rid of this gut the squad of these these lily livered <laughs> fifteen to twenty players who who just cannot cope with pressure? Or are we saying are we going to take a sort of more nuanced view on that? Which personally, I I I am. I, I think it's more appropriate to do so and say players are human beings and they have different motivations. And it is literally the job of the manager to tap into those motivations to get the most out of them. Now, I'm not saying there's not some bellends in our squad. I'm sure there are some lazy, good-for-nothing bellends who are very difficult to motivate, very difficult to work with on a day-to-day basis. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Fine. I've got no problem with that. But if if we're saying that this is on the players, what we're saying is we've somehow managed to accumulate this core group of players that other clubs simply haven't managed to accumulate over the years. And, you know, when you're talking about football players at the elite level, you're talking about players who have been through so much to get to where they are. They've Their motivation levels are absolutely next level from a very, very young age to achieve their goal of becoming a Premier League footballer, right? And yet it just so happens that we've got all the bad eggs, all the ones yeah. who, who, who managed to get to a level but were twats, We've got them all at once. No, I, I think, I think you're you're taking it a bit too far. Now, Mourinho is is totally at fault for this. 
there's that it's his fault if the if the players are lost it's his fault for losing the players that's that's just the way it is but i do think there's been a a drop off on these players and i i think his reliance on on say, squeezing every single minute out of Hjoyberg, out of Sun, out of Kane shows his his unwillingness to to trust those other those other individuals, and perhaps it's because they don't play enough football. But then, I don't think they're good enough to deserve football. If you look back at some some of the worst results, excluding well, including this, is there was there was individuals at the heart of all of those bad results, and I just think it's it's. It's like the perfect storm where you've got a group of players, they're not perhaps not bad eggs, but a group of players who have deteriorated in in performance and in ability and in motivation. They've been here a long time. Then you've got a manager who's unable to galvanize a squad in that way. It's just it's just not how it's just not his footballing style. It's not how he does things. He's not a arm around your shoulder. He's a guy that motivates you or he ostracizes you. And I think it's just some of these things have all met right at the same time. And it's just this is this is what's happened. This is this is the storm we're in now. We're in the we're in the boat, and we're being spattered on each side by all the waves of all these footballing issues. Yeah, and we're going down with a load of fish. That's it, uh, Barley. I put it to you that mm. you you say that he's unable to trust the players because their ability has deteriorated. I'm saying that if he were to trust them, he might find their ability improves because they're motivated. I mean, the only way we'll find this out is if if Nagelsmann comes in and we see what what his first reaction is going to be. I think the first manager, the next manager we get, the first thing he does will be almost like what Arsenal did this January. He would they will just tear up contracts and see you later and cut their losses, which I think perhaps is something we should have done. Uh, I mean, but, yeah, you, yeah, you're not going to get disagreement with me on the point that we need a clear out. I think we've needed a clear out for a, for a couple of years. Uh, one thing I would just add, and then I, I know Nathan mm. wants to say something as well, is. For me in this match, the player that looked the most lethargic, the most, I'm going to say lazy, the most sluggish was Harry Kane. I, I thought he absolutely typified everything that was bad about the performance. He, he he moved really badly. He didn't press. He wasn't interested in showing for the ball for long periods. Came alive in the last 10 minutes. But it, if, if we're going to say that the reason we went out is because we weren't motivated. It starts with Harry Kane. Are we prepared to say that? I'm not. I'm not prepared to say that <laughs> Harry Kane is, is lazy and doesn't have a winning mentality. I'm just not. Uh, no, no. I don't think you, I don't think you can blame Harry Kane. He's put in some, he's put up a lot of goals and a lot of, a lot of assists and he's put in a lot of effort this season, but some, sometimes it doesn't work and dead, you know, but I, I think I think you're onto a really good point there because because you're right. We know that Harry Kane is a is a brilliant player. We know that Kane is this not just like driven player, but like lunatic. And you're right to point out that he didn't especially look any better than anyone else on that pitch, which which to me underlines the issue that it isn't so much a matter of sort of individual mentality, but something more overwhelming. I think even if you want to have this sort of discussion of like, okay, is Mourinho and everyone agrees that there are some gaps in the squad right mm -hmm. if Mourinho sort of he needs to move three players on he needs to bring three players in then he's not doing enough a good enough job with a with a nearly very good squad and if the argument is um there's this huge rotten underlying core we need to move on 10 players and we need to bring 10 mm -hmm. players in personally I'm not convinced of that I think that that's that's a dramatic interpretation but if that is if Mourinho is completely let down by the squad if Mourinho has been perfect and brilliant and the issue lies completely within a, a, a horrific squad that needs completely re rebuilding from 
from the bottom up. The Mourinho isn't the man for that. He's never been the man for that, right? The the line that we were sold when we brought Mourinho in is that this, as a club, we are on the precipice of brilliance. We are on the edge of glory. We are finishing second. We are making it to the Champions League final. What we need is a man who's won it all, a man who's been there, who understands the finals and can can push us over that edge. And now the narrative is we're a broken, horrible club who need real rebuilding. He's That's not what he's ever done. Not really since Porto, and even that is a stretch. He's a two, three-season manager. He comes in, he wins a couple of trophies. You know, he buys a bunch of 27, 28, 29, 30-year-olds, <laughs> spends a whole load of money to do it, wins something, and pisses off. He's not someone who's going to rebuild and, and motivate a bunch of young players and, and build something fresh. So... Even if, and I don't agree with it, but even if the argument is that Mourinho's done everything fine, the problem is that there's a huge fundamental flaw with our squad and we need to rebuild, he still needs to go, even if it's not his fault, because this isn't the job for him. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And I, I just want to sort of flag one thing. I don't think that there's a, a dark, rotten heart at Tottenham. I don't think any of our players are like bad guys or anything. I just think in like our first 11 is, is okay, it's pretty good. But I think our second string, if if you replace the the spine of the first string and then and then you put in the the second guys, I just don't think in core areas we're just not strong enough. I think that when I refer to a rotten heart, that's kind of what I mean. That if you take out Sanchez and Alderweireld, who seem to have a pairing, and then you put in Dyer, and you take out Hjoiberg and Endobele, and you replace with Winks and Sissoko, and then if you take out Son and put in Lucas or Lamella, then that I think. That rotten heart, I mean, is just like a serious, significant drop off in in quality, and I think that's that's where, what I mean. That's what I'm referring to. Let's go back to the uh, to the interview just to sort of finish it off because there's, there's a few more interesting things that Hugo has to say. So um, it goes on. Every great Tottenham team has a leader to lead the team through difficult nights. It's not easy for you as a goalkeeper, but did you lack that out on the field tonight? I think there was still the belief that we could score one goal because one goal would have changed the dynamic of the game. I think the message from the manager was clear to attack the game, to score one goal as soon as we can make the game as we can to make the game easier. But the opposite happened and Dinamo started to believe again. If you don't kill the opponent, you know that one moment they are going to come. They scored an amazing goal for the first goal and then the game was open. We never felt on the pitch that the game was under control and that we were the dominant team. We were far from that. I'll just do the second one at the same time as well because it kind of licks in. Did you sense that this was possible after the first leg? Anything is possible in football. I think if you look at all the experience that we have got... As a player individually, as a player in the dressing room, we have all got that. From one leg to another, anything can turn if you believe and make the perfect game. What is more painful is the feeling that we came here without the desire to kill the game. When you're a competitor, you cannot behave in that way. So so, so what we're hearing here from, from Lloris is that the intention was to attack the game, to score that one goal, to kill the game off. And this is similar to what we heard after the Arsenal match, where we had the intention was to to go after Arsenal from the start. Um, I mean, this is absolutely insane to me, because once again, we we had no tempo or thrust in the entirety of the first half. I mean, I thought it looked like we were trying to suck the the life out of the game in the first half, and I I wasn't against that. I, I genuinely wasn't against that. Um, tactical plan. I, I thought that was a legitimate way of of getting through. We had a two 0 lead, suck the life out of the game, keep things tight, maybe nick one on the counter. I didn't think that was the worst plan, but it, Hugo sells a different line. He sort of thinks, no, we we really went out there to attack. That was what what was planned. That's what the manager told us to do. Bardi, how do you square that? 
Uh, I don't know. It's very, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to 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 get what he's talking about there. Um, Zagreb, we know Zagreb. Have, um, they're a, they're a team that defend well. They they got an incredible defensive record in this in this in this tournament. Um, they were pretty good at White Hart Lane. They lacked the cutting edge, and then yesterday they just played a perfect defensive game. And Orsic had the game of his life. Everything he hit flew in, and. I don't know. I really, I'm, I'm lost with this. I, I, I couldn't tell what they were trying to do, which is a, a huge issue. I thought we were going to try and attack the game. We just needed to score one goal. We had, a, we had our chances, but they, it didn't, it didn't work out. Kane missed some good opportunities. I, I don't know what the plan is, and that's, that's the biggest worry about it. It's, it's the same conversation we've been having since the Palace game, right? It, it's one thing to inform the team that they are meant to attack in this game and it's another to sort of actually coach them and enable them and and put in place the the plans and the selections and the trainings to to make that sort of materialize on the pitch um if we play the winks and sissoka midfield and okay maybe he you know hoivier is suspended and dombele has to be rested maybe he has no choice to play winks and sissoka midfield but <laughs> we know right we have seen from a long time in this club that that is not a midfield who are going to control progress and attack with the ball so why is that the plan with those players and that's bearing in mind that we struggle to to bring an attacking game plan not that so much recently but throughout this season we've had a hard time playing in that style when we've had you know Hoybier and Ndombele as a midfield pairing so again it's one thing to say the plan is to attack but but how are we going to attack? Obviously, Mourinho is not going to just reveal all of his tactical plans, but what he did talk about after the game is the goals that we conceded um, and that the, he he laid out defensive plans for how to handle Warsic, that he cuts in. Hmm. Um, so you have to show him on this side and, and the players didn't do that. And, he, and that's fine. That's absolutely right. A hundred percent. He's, you know, I did my own Zagreb research. I didn't pick up. I said that like their attacking midfielders are good ball carriers and a threat in that way, right? But I didn't pick up on on the immense goal threat of Orsic. He's done you know loads and loads of work, loads and loads of prep. But like definitely he's identified how to defend against Zagreb and the players are letting down there. I'm I'm not going to deny him that at all. But but how much of the focus in the preparation for this mm-hmm. game on a Thursday night was on how Zagreb play? How much of it is on how we're going to defend against Zagreb and where what were our plans? for attacking them what about how we play what about who we are what about who what our players are what about our style what about our patterns what about the fact yeah. that you started harry kane this game you know you that's a real risk we've taken playing harry kane sure. again you know we, we know he's a player who's susceptible to injuries we know he's better when he's fresh if you're starting him you have to just go you have to go for broke and take him and he's half now time. played yeah 120 minutes for a loss um yeah, this this is exactly it. This is exactly it because you know, uh, again, yes, the players have have let him down in their defending. But for me, the defending, although we conceded three goals and that looks terrible, defending is still the third or fourth issue after how we failed to control the game, after how we failed to attack. Yeah, yeah. you know, so for, to to point to the defense and say, oh, we should have just sort of drawn nil nil, and uh, okay, yeah, that was kind of how things were looking for a while, but. I, for me, that still isn't that sh- still shouldn't be the the focus to yeah. take away from this game. Absolutely, and 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 just to clarify, the only reason I saw that as a viable strategy is because in my mind the bar is so low now. That's sure. that's where I am with with this Tottenham team. I just don't have any faith in us. 
We could we could probably go on for hours now, um, but I suspect we might be having a, another similar conversation post Villa on Monday. So so let's save our thoughts, any remaining thoughts we have until then. Um, yeah, and, and look, things are going to get better. It just doesn't feel that way at the moment. There, there is light at the end of the tunnel. When we started to to realize that we were in trouble, it was too late. I mean. Uh... The confidence was back in, inside the Zagreb team and, uh, and, and then the, the game become even harder. So, but this is uh, the story of the game uh, and, um, and it's done and we cannot change. Unfortunately, it's, uh, as I said, uh, it's a disgrace from us and, um, and we, we can only feel sorry uh, for the fans because uh, every year they are full of hopes and um, and again uh, this competition i think uh, will mean a lot but um, now uh, we have to be back on our basics uh, on our, on a routine and and fight again in the league to to get back into this competition next season and last question ugo and thank you for your honesty in this you and I have spoken about this before in your career, how you have lifted yourself after some big, big disappointments. You can do it. Can the other players, some of them, can they also do it? I think we all belong to the team. Uh, football is not about individual players. I mean, uh, it's not because there is two, three, four players that are going to step up uh, is not enough. Uh, we need more than that. Uh, that's uh, something that we must understand. Uh, on the bench, there is an influence to have, uh, to push the others. Um, in training session, the same. Everyone has to be ready to, to push and, and make sure that he is ready to, to help the team when the moment will come. Uh, it's not only uh, stay on your side and, and, and complain and, um, because at the end, what we have to respect is, is this, is the badge. This is the most important thing. It's, it's over all the players uh, in the place and, uh, and we have to respect the, the badge.